Rock on Rockies fans, Paul Holden here from the Locked on Rockies podcast. Got a great episode here with you today with Skylar Timmons of Purple Row. Unfortunately, uh, my technology decided to betray me and not use my good microphone when I was recording with him and recorded with my crappy uh, webcam microphone. So I am re-recording this intro and uh, we are going to have a great show because I want you to listen because we have a great conversation. Skylar gives great insight. So we're still going to roll with it. Uh, but unfortunately, I have to jump in right here and give you the old disclaimer, uh, unfortunately, about technology betraying it. But please uh, enjoy the episode and enjoy the content and conversation here from Skylar Timmons of Purple Row. You are locked on Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Podcast and today's episode is for the 23rd day of August. Pretty crazy to already say that, honestly. But thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We're free and streaming on your favorite streaming service. We're also on the Locked On Rockies YouTube channel. I'm Paul Holden. I am your host of the Locked On Rockies podcast, your Rockies fan extraordinaire. You can find us also on Sirius XM and the Sirius XM app today. I brought in the big guns. We had to bring in the uh, – I, I, fans of the show know that I'm an avid Purple Row reader. We had Skylar on. Uh, Skylar Timmons joins us today. And we had you on during the spring training time, I think, or right around spring training, mm-hmm. right around when the season was going to start. Uh, so I wanted to bring, bring him back because Purple Row is doing a lot of diving into the uh, prospects for the Rockies and the uh, – Rockies also are going through some stuff right now that uh, I needed a little bit more expertise and, and, and wanted to get some other Rockies fans and someone covering the team's thoughts on the state of the Rockies and where they go from here. So let's start in the immediate right here. Let's 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 do a little game analysis real quick. What the heck is up with the bullpen? Can we can we still lean on the overwork? It's been overworked due to this starting rotation. Is that something that? We, we can still say is happening for the Rockies, or is this just a warning sign of a team maybe running out of gas here earlier than we thought? It, it could probably be a mixture of all of it, you know, because they, they've been used more than pretty much any other bullpen in baseball. And so it's it could be a part of that because you still have some good young guys in their fresh arms, Tommy Doyle coming in, throwing some some good innings. But then you look, it's more of the veterans, the older guys that are getting bumped up a little bit. Brent Suter on uh, that first game against the Tampa Bay Rays, that seemed kind of fluky for Brent Suter. Tampa Bay is a really good hitting team. But Daniel Bard has just been kind of his continued struggles uh, this season with his control and just uh, the WBC dating back to that. So it's probably a little bit of you know, overwork running out of gas generally because starting pitching has been better recently had some good starts there at least five six innings for a lot of guys so it's just a matter of matchups and just not executing on their pitches i think 
Yeah, the location stuff's the most infuriating. That's really where the Rockies have get in a ton of have gotten in a ton of trouble. I was at the game on Sunday there at Coors uh, when the bullpen had that had the White Sox had them on the ropes, had them ready for the sweep, and then yesterday going out on the road and and you know it's the offense is there. The offense is 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 showing some signs of life at least more so. So to see the bullpen kind of step have the you know falter a little bit just adds to the frustration of this season. And it's a lost one, sure. There's a lot of stuff but the lack of I, I preach a lack of consistency from the Rockies here especially this year and I'm hoping it gets ironed out as the team actually gets more close to what it's really supposed to resemble because this 2023 Rockies team will always be an anomaly when you look at how many injuries the Rockies had who was getting consistent time and the fact that the Rockies were active at the trade deadline so this will forever be a weird year but I'm curious does it make you more hesitant to buy into and sign relievers. Brent Suter, you mentioned, I mean, I, I think the Rock, it won't be bad if the Rockies extend him, but you extend Daniel Bard. Daniel Bard's overall been good for the Rockies, great at moments we've seen, but do you get a little weary of signing veteran relief pitching for the Rockies when moments like this happen? It's one of those things where everything has to come at the right price and just make sense, whether it's younger or a veteran guy. Because you look at just bullpens are so volatile, you need a ton of arms, and no, it's getting that good mixture of the veteran guys that can have success but aren't costing you a ton. Like Brent Suter this year has been perfect in that Rockies bullpen, but Daniel Bard, he's making another nine, almost ten million dollars next season, and he's going to be what 39, 40 years old, and he's already having these struggles. So it can be weary, but one to two year deals type of things. You can never go wrong with that, but it's, it goes back to just how the, the organization approaches everything, how these guys can execute and how they can help them reach that next level where they are consistent and effective out of the bullpen, because then you can get a Matt cook who's been phenomenal aside from a couple of outings recently, but that's because he's been getting relied on more and he's coming into deeper situations. So, yeah, it's it's like you said, Red Suter and Cook. I mean, it's it's it all they it, it's all worked out well. But then it is, it's just like wow. I mean, when they're off, it's just like wow. Like how are the like some of these losses from the from the late leads, especially what we've seen in the last two ball games, like. You know, Bud Black was kind of leaning too much on his Bud Blackisms. The ball wasn't bouncing our way. I mean, listen, that that's all there. I, I liked uh, Patrick Saunders' tweet back to it. It's like I think there's a lot more that happened than the ball not <laughs> bouncing your way in the eight when you give up eight runs in the eighth. Uh, so, so going forward, is there, do you think the Rockies will it, say it's next year and the Rockies are able to keep Suter? Bard is able to be, you know, shift back. And I think someone who also has not been perfect this year but has shown moments of greatness, Justin Lawrence, you at least have three pieces of the bullpen you feel a lot more confident in. And Do you think the Rockies have enough coming up in the farm system to, to add to this bullpen, or do you think this, they're going to have to try to go through and really bring in a few more veteran arms and, and use that one- to two-year deal? And will they have to end up overpaying for some bullpen arms uh, to, to get them to come to Colorado? I think they've kind of learned their lesson with spending big on free agents this, with the super bullpen, how that kind of imploded. Where with, with bullpen arms, there's so many other ways to bring guys in, even just for little stop gaps. 
And we've seen this year they've got a lot of good arms that are coming up with good, you know, high octane stuff coming up that could be bullpen arms. And so amassing a lot of those guys has been helpful. But continue to to scour the waiver claims and you know, then pull out a Brad Hand type of deal, a Pierce Johnson type of deal. You know, if they're if you find yourself out of it by July or August, you can ship them off for some prospects that can replace them. Yeah, that's. I, I think that especially if this is the new standard for the Rockies, if they are more willing to punt at the deadline and kind of read into the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the leaves a little bit and kind of have a little bit more foresight and say, or you know, say, eh, I don't think this is going to go all that well this season. I think that is the right move because I, I do think, I, and I'm curious, and, and this is just kind of going off of that, maybe bullpen arms get a little bit of a bump if they're successful in Colorado. You know, if they're mm-hmm. able to go, hey, if they can pitch your cores for, you know, 30 innings in the first half of the season, they're, and they're a veteran guy that we know, that's a pretty good test for us to feel confident in and shipping some arms. I mean, sounds like the Angels are always going to be interested, so we can just keep linking up with them as long as they're, they're doing things. So I, I guess before we move on to some other stuff, did, did the Rockies do – I, I, I'm not going to knock really anything because from the deadline, I think they we'll see how the, the prospects pan out, but at least they made moves. Did the Rockies do enough to replenish the pitching at the trade deadline uh, for their farm system? Uh, for what they have on the roster and what they were willing to do, I think they did pretty well with being able to move Mike Moustakis, CJ Crone, Randall Gritchick, Brad Hand, and Pierce Johnson, turn that basically into six prospects that are pretty decent or have potential. Not too shabby. You'll take that. Could they have moved more? Maybe, probably. But for what they had and what they're willing to do in terms of value and everything, I think they turned out pretty well and opportunities here in the coming off season of, well, maybe they look into moving Elias Diaz. Maybe they consider more moves around the diamond, maybe, if they want to open up more room you know, for money or for prospects with everything. You know, does Ryan McMahon get moved? Does anybody bite on that? Or Brendan Rogers? So there's more options out there for them. But for the deadline recently, not too shabby. Yeah, no, I, I and, and I, moves were made. And, you know, it, it definitely – if we were watching C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick take at-bats from Montero uh, and, and Tully at this point, I would be uh, even more frustrated than I am. Let's talk prospects. Let's talk, uh, you know, the Rockies going ahead. And I, and I got an interesting one I want to run by you, Skyler, as well, because I kind of briefly mentioned this on my show, and it involves Charlie Blackman and Chris Bryant. I want to talk about that. Coming up here in segment number two, but before we do that – Well, for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions to apply. 
This is the Locked On Rockies podcast for free and streaming on your favorite streaming service, bringing you your daily Colorado Rockies talk right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all of you for making this your first listen of the day. And if you're listening to us every day, I know you're heading over to Purple Row, and I know you've read some work or, or listen because you also host a podcast as well, Skyler, if I'm correct. Yeah, we do the Affected by Altitude podcast, myself and Evan Lang, uh, primarily doing it. Excellent. More Rockies pod. And, I mean, these guys are the ones – I am I like to look at myself. I'm the fan guy. I kind of feel like I'm I'm way more of a of a, a guy from the stands, an armchair quarterback type of person, <laughs> building my analysis. But y'all over there, you're, you're digging in, you're doing the journalism, you're looking and you're covering the team, the real deal. So we, we appreciate what you do, and we appreciate that we have Rockies coverage because we don't always get that stuff, especially anymore. And, uh, Skyler – Tell us about some prospects we need to know about for the Rockies. That we know there's a lot of young guys uh, on the on the team already. Are there maybe some call-ups that we'll see late in the season? Who do we need to know about for the Rockies in the farm system? And we talked a lot about pitchers in the first. Are there any pitchers maybe coming up that we could see before the end of the year? Uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, I don't know if necessarily by the end of this year. There's definitely some potential. But guys like Jeff Criswell, I think of immediate guys that are kind of they're on the cusp of starting pitchers down in triple A Albuquerque. Pitching in Albuquerque has been tough this year and they've kind of (laughs) been plugging in guys, guys that have been converted from relievers into starters down there. So there hasn't been a lot of things there. But Jeff Criswell, I think, has been he's been a staple in that rotation all season. ERA has been kind of high, but you can expect that in Albuquerque. But he's shown some good flashes uh, in there, and he was acquired from Oakland for uh, for Chad Smith in the offseason. So he's that guy that he's on the verge that could be there. But, he's again, he's one of those kind of depth pieces. But in terms of, like, prospects for the future, we already mentioned the trade deadline guys. But any of those guys are ones to really keep an eye on here coming in the, you know, by the end of this season or in the years to come. Like Victor Vodnik has been uh, turned in some pretty good outings down in in Double A Hartford. Now he's up with Albuquerque, getting his time there. Uh, Tanner Gordon as well. So there, there's a number of those guys that are getting even closer. Yeah, high octane guys that that have some good stuff in the tank. But it's for me, it's looking at the future of you know in the next couple of years where you know, I just had a discussion with Stephen Rice, the play by play voice for the Fresno Grizzlies, and talking about guys down there. And it's pretty well known the organization's pretty bottom heavy at the moment and talent wise. And that's partly a good thing that there's so much talent that's quickly getting promoted now we're seeing of guys that were just recently drafted moving up to double a and like Seth Halverson. Uh, but down in, in Fresno, I think the, the pitcher that people should take more notice of is Michael Prosecchi, where he is. The dude has turned in a solid season with Fresno, just kind of out of nowhere. And that was projected as a reliever, but he's been entered into the rotation and he's been dominant. Oh, a sub three ERA. He's got 10 wins. No, he's not going to overpower you, but he's a crafty lefty. And I always love crafty lefty pitchers because they're they're just successful. They find a way to get out. 
and he's a legitimate pitcher and not just a thrower. And that's a pitcher that I think fans are going to start to, should t- start to take more notice of as he continues to progress. How's my Bobcat friend Joe Rock doing? How, what's the lay? Do you know anything? Have you heard anything about him? I've caught some games of him pitching in in Albuquerque, uh, and dude looks like the spot from across the Spider Verse, just the the limb proportion. But there's a lot of those guys down in Double A Hartford that they're they've taken their lumps, but there's also been progress. And I think Joe Rock has been one of those guys where. He'll throw out some good solid outings, and then he'll take his lumps in some others, uh, and kind of that, that middle of the road, middle of rotation type of production. And I'm still pretty high on Joe Rock. I, I'd love to see him take that next step up in his development. But I think he's hanging in there. He's been a he's been a staple down there in Hartford. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see him from my alma mater. So always, always <laughs> it was very exciting when they drafted him. So I'm, uh, I'm curious. I mean, most of the big name position player prospects are up with the team, outside of Zach Mean, who's out for the season, and probably Drew Romo. I'd say. Uh, I know that there's a, a guy double like tearing it up. And so, are there position players that that we should keep an eye out here for the Rockies outside of the ones that are already up? And then I want to talk outfield, but let's let's focus on these other position players here first. It, it, will we see anyone else make their debut, or the Rockies think? Do you think the Rockies are going to stick with this young core that they're running out right now here, matched with you know two of their biggest veterans coming back here at this point in the season? Yeah, I think the the big one that everybody's keeping an eye on right now is Hunter Goodman down in AAA, Albuquerque. Dude just won't stop hitting home runs. Uh, it's kind of like what Michael Tolley did. Yeah, it's kind of like what Michael Tolia did last season when his brief stint in Albuquerque. But Hunter Goodman, first baseman catcher, and he's got power to boot, natural raw power. And that, that one would be, that seems to be the one that's on the cusp of, of getting the call up uh, at some point here, maybe for September. What you do to get him onto the roster, I don't know, but... He seems to be one that he would be the position player, I think, that's getting that call sooner rather than later this season. Because a lot of those other guys are kind of just on the cusp or, or just not quite ready to get that call yet. Or, or frankly, blocked. I mean, at this point, every young guy the Rockies are putting out there, you need them to because those at bats are critical at this stage. Montero needs to be in the lineup every single day, in my opinion. Victoria needs to be in the lineup at least every single day. How do you feel like the Rockies are handling their their development now at this stage? I mean, there's plenty to be concerned with in the past, but I'm talking right now. How do you, how how confident are you in the Rockies building this foundation of youngsters? Uh, headlined by Ezekiel Tovar is legit, man. He's 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 a, he's a stuff. Yeah, they're I, they're doing better now than they have in the past, and part of that is because their hand was forced this season to start playing guys. Uh, the blessings in disguise were the injuries to so many of these guys. It forced their hand of oh, we need to actually play these guys that are <laughs> that are on our forty man roster. Give them time, and it's best to do that now, so you can see what you have in them. If Montero and Tolia don't pan out, okay, let's move on to the next guy in line instead of just kind of dragging them along on the bench for years uh, that, that they've done with other guys. So they're doing a lot better with giving these guys playing time, you know, 
Nolan Jones has established himself as an everyday player now, which is awesome. Brenton Doyle, his defense has forced them to put him into that lineup every single day. Tovar, the same thing, legit. And Michael Tolley and Elias Montero, they can be that platoon playing first base, and Tolia can play right field pretty well. And you've got that DH spot that you could slide either of them into you know, if they're willing to do that. But it's it's encouraging to see them put guys through the ropes now instead of just waiting around and maybe giving them a, a an at-bat once or twice a week. Yeah, I mean, at this stage, it's, it's you know, I'm not trying to knock anybody here, but I, I see Evan tweet about it all the time, your, your co-host and, uh, and uh, a co-worker there at uh, Purple Rope. Why is Jerks and Profar taking these at-bats? Why is Harold Castro taking these? And it's true. I mean, those players really don't do much. So I, I'm I'm curious, do you think the Rockies are going to be able to to see – some signs of hope. I'm, my biggest concern so far with this young, the, the young guys right now, the strikeouts. It's mm-hmm. just, and and I, I know they're early, but it's the Rockies in general have a strikeout problem. But the rate the Rockies strike out and the amount of double-digit strikeout games the Rockies have had this year has been maddening. Are, are you as concerned about the strikeouts as I am? Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of these guys. It's not bad when they're down in AAA, say, like Montero has been pretty decent, you know, patience at the plate when he's down in Albuquerque. Same with Tolia. Uh, but then they get up to the big leagues and they just look overmatched. Their plate discipline goes out the window. They're swinging at stuff in the dirt. They're swinging. So the concern with with the strikeouts kind of blends into – concerns about what is the team doing to help these guys continue to, to develop and adjust at the big league level because sometimes it feels like the development stops as soon as they they get to the big leagues or it's just little tiny things here and there but an argument on the other side of that is we look at Ezekiel Tovar and his growth over the course of the season where yeah he was still striking out a ton he still kind of strikes out a little too much but we've seen his growth uh, at the plate where now he's holding up on some of those swings. He's he's drawn walks. He's finding that pitch that he wants to drive. So it is it is concerning, and it's just something that they really need to figure out because you can't do anything. All your power and talent mat- doesn't matter if you can't hit the ball. Right, yeah. and well, It's just the Rockies are so far from the Bombers days, It's it, and I'm – that, I just need to see those two guys start hitting more home runs or just hitting for power. Cause I, I, I cannot lie. I thought this was the season of Montero and it, and it just, uh, unfortunately has not panned out. Not only just, not just up to him. I mean, he's done his job at AAA. It's just been the way the Rockies have handled it and the way the opportunities have gone, but it's good to see some, some improvement in, in some areas. And like you mentioned, Tovar improving Brendan Rogers, last season was really encouraging to see him able to, to, to do that. And it's really good to see this, I really love seeing the McMahon, Rogers, uh, Tovar infield, but it's a good point by you earlier there is, uh, is that going to be the long-term situation? We'll talk about that. I want to also propose my outfield, um, really log. I mean, the log jam is real in the outfield and there's one glaring issue there that we got to talk about and just other things to watch for the rest of 2023. We'll do that coming up in segment number three. This is the Locked on Rockies podcast for free and streaming on your favorite streaming services. And we are on the Locked on Rockies YouTube channel. You can find us on SiriusXM and the SiriusXM app as well. 
That's where you can also find your Colorado Rockies play-by-play. Just search Lockdown Rockies or Colorado Rockies. You can take where you need to go there on the SiriusXM app. Skylar Timmons is our guest here today. Purple Row, affected by Altitude Podcast, and uh, Rockies fan extraordinaire as well. I mean, you get the title as well. I've been thinking about this a lot, especially since his return. I think the Rockies should extend Charlie Blackman. Am I crazy in this and have him con- and, and have him primarily DH? But then when I think about that, that complicates the question when Chris Bryant eventually returns to the lineup because aren't we expecting Zach Veen to be on the Rockies next year in 2024? I mean, where are in reality for me, where does Chris Bryant start figuring and finding his way into these conversations? Because can we punt? I mean, can you punt from Chris Bryant? I, I, I don't think you can. No, it's a really tough contract to move now. And the thing is, he's, he is a man without a defensive home because when he's healthy and in the lineup, Chris Bryant hasn't been terrible. Oh, the power hasn't been there. That's, that's the, biggest, the biggest concern. He gets on base, certainly can lash out. It's a lot of really nice soft liners in the left. <laughs> but the power is a big concern there. So, I mean, can you really commit to Chris Bryant being your DH? Yeah, that, that's the tough thing where if you bring or if you keep him around, which you probably will have to, no, there's been those conversations Bud Black has mentioned of when he comes back, potentially the, by the end of this season, he gets some time at first base. And personally, that's where I would see him long term since you're stuck with him for another five years. First base just kind of seems like the natural home and DH. And that's why it's good to get Montero and Tolia playing now because – if they're not doing much, then maybe you can trade them in the offseason to open up space because you're you've backed yourself into that corner. But yeah, there's such a jam everywhere. Whereas yeah, I would love to have Charlie Blackman come back because the team needs a leader, and Charlie Blackman is that leader that the team needs. But you gotta find a way to to fit everybody in while still having your your prospects come up and play because like you said, there's a log jam. There's a guys coming. And there's no room for error at this point. Yeah, and I mean, it's, and, and I think that I, I think it's most likely Charlie Blackman comes back to the Rockies. I'd be shocked if he goes somewhere else. But there might be a team. I mean, the guy has proven since his return from the IL, the bat is still there enough. But it's it's going to be dipped. Like, you know, I'm not I'm I'm not ignorant of of the fact that we have seen Charlie Blackman, uh, you know, the, the dip in performance. But he's still capable of, of batting and making an impact at the major league level. And he's the right type of guy to have for the Rockies in this situation. So, it, but at the same time, next year, it seems like Charlie Blackman and Chris Bryant would be the prime take time away from the guys that we need uh, to give playing time to. And th- that would complicate things because I, I don't know. I, I, I would be pretty disappointed if Tolia and Montero don't pan out. And the Rockies just put Chris Bryant at first base. I, I mean, I, I, I guess it, if, if he gets in the lineup, he's good at first base and he contributes to the lineup and he, and he contributes to the offense. Sure, I'm excited, but I don't know. It's going to take a lot for me to really build a lot of confidence back in Chris Bryant over, over hopefully building for the future. Because I'm not going to lie, if, if Montero doesn't pan out, man, the, the, the hard pill to swallow goes down even harder, I think, there, even three years later. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the 
the more the less that Chris Bryant plays, the worse that signing continues to look. And you know, Austin Gomber is really the only piece of the Nolan Arenado trade that is panned out even just a little bit. And so it, there's this jam, and you got to figure signing Chris Bryant's just create all kinds of problems. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it really has. It's also locked up money that you don't have to pay other people. So do the Rockies move any other veterans? What do you think the offseason of this year looks like for the Rockies? Do you expect a Rodgers or a McMahon to be to be moved? I just don't know if I have a lot of confidence in the Rockies wanting to move away from what appears to be an infield that could have three gold glovers in it or gold glove candidates in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of in that same park where somebody would have to come in with a really good offer for, you know, Ryan McMahon. But I, the Rockies are going to be hesitant to move those guys because they like their consistency. These are you know, guys that Bill Schmidt selected and scouted. He's going to want to keep his guys in that lineup and on that roster. So it just kind of creates this slow movement where if they're going to keep the guys they have now, then you got to start trimming the fat on some of those position players that are no, on the cusp that are good prospects, trade them for what you can or get good pitching back, get big league ready pitching back if you have to. Uh, you, you've got to make moves. You can't have your cake and eat it too, which is something the Rockies have always tried to do. Yeah, that, that's been, uh, I think, the definition of it. Because I'm, I'm not saying, I don't think 24 is a winning season for the Rockies. I, I, I don't think it'll be this bad uh, as it is this year. So what are you watching the rest of the season? What do you have your eyes on here as the Rockies go through uh, an incredibly difficult stretch of the season and uh, basically lining up against only playoff teams for the rest of the way? What are you keeping your eyes on and focused on here for, for the Rockies for the rest of this season specifically? I think specifically it's just looking at how the continued progression of these young position players and how are they adapting? How are they doing? Are they continually going into these huge slumps or are they making adjustments bat to a bat against? They're going to be facing some really good pitching and really good hitting. Now, and we saw them play against the Tampa Bay Rays. They put up some good at bats. And so that's something that I'm keeping on is how do these young guys continue to adjust against better competition? Because, the White Sox aren't good. And so them pounding the White Sox doesn't do much for me. But them competing with the Tampa Bay Rays now that that's that's something I can look I can look more into and get excited about. So that's what I'm looking for is just how do these young guys progress? How are their bats looking? Are they adjusting? Are they adapting? Or are they just striking out every at bat? Yeah, I mean that's the. I feel like that's what we got to do, right? I mean that that that's what this season is. Is you got to find the small things, and if it's Ezekiel Tovar continues to be underlooked as a, I'm not saying he should be the rookie of the year in in a very crowded rookie of the year race. I'm just saying not enough people have watched Ezekiel Tovar at the at the national level, and it's really cool to see the Rockies have hit on another show and shortstop, but a different version. You know, it's it's kind uh-huh. of. Uh, uh, 
uh, it's kind of more of a too low, you know, but we're too, but, but still with a little less pop, but I see more too low than I see story. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool that the, the Rockies have yet another stud there at a very important position. Skylar, one last question before we go, because it's something that we're going to need to keep our, our, our eyes on here as the offseason does approach. Does Herman Marquez pitch for the Rockies next year? No, it's, it's a tough one with that Tommy John surgery. It's a $16 million team option for next year. I don't know if they decline that, try to re-sign him that way so they can kind of put more money on the back end and not have to pay as much for next year while he's recovering. That that would be the only scenario I see. That would be tough. That would be tough. So close for him. I mean, he would be he would be the number one pitcher, basically, like in most Rocky stats if he actually pitched this year. And mm-hmm. uh, man, it'd be tough to see him go because I, I think Herman's Herman's going to make a team happy. Just I, I think just like John Gray's making Texas happy, I think Herman can do that. And uh, and and I think you know one thing for for Rocky starters is you know it, it, they have been inconsistent, but the offense has not backed up Austin Gomber and Kyle Freeland this year uh, mm-hmm. the way they should have. Uh, but it, it, we'll see this because that Rocky's rotation. I mean, because we got Senzatella too. What how are you going to handle him coming back? All the questions still remain for the Rockies, but unfortunately, we don't have time to answer them all. But Skyler Timmons and his company of great Rockies coverage there over at Purple Row. Uh, Skyler, where can they go to find you, your work, everything you guys are working on, and uh, what do you want people to know about? Uh, yeah, it's mostly over at Purple Row. I write the Wednesday Rock Piles. Uh, most recently, wrote one about Skyler Messenger, another prospect down in Fresno who's having a pretty good season. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter or whatever it's called now, X, <laughs> at, side, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, I'm on some of the other ones, but nothing's really happening on them. So we'll just stick with Twitter at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and then you can also follow us at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's Rocky MTN, R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. That's where you can find the podcast stuff. Uh, affected by altitude my every rocky ever podcast and all kinds of stuff there the illustrious every rocky ever podcast and uh you know i was thinking it's gonna the jorge alfaro episode will be a really interesting one uh (laughs) there but uh skyler thank you so much uh for your time and uh folks you can find the lockdown rockies podcast on your favorite streaming services keep uh if you subscribe to the youtube channel i thank you a ton and until next time this is paul holden saying so long from the lockdown rockies podcast